This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special deal at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, April 16th, 2020, and my guest is Basil Cronfley. Hi, Basil. How are you? Hey, Miriam. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's always so good to hear your voice. It's uh, always wonderful to hear yours as well. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm great considering the circumstances, I suppose. We're being inundated with phones. And this (laughs) is interesting because it looks like our uh, spring phone, you know, schedule that's usually quite mad is sticking with us. It's actually yeah. pretty busy right now, which is kind of why I feel great because, yes, I have to worry about a bunch of things as always and more than usual. But at the same time, I have a lot to keep me busy. And speaking of, we got two major phone releases this week. Both of them, actually, we knew were coming. But I think one was a little bit more of a, we don't know what date. And and I'm talking about the iPhone, of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. The, the OnePlus, I think we had a better, clearer idea of it coming and I think that made it easier for us to plan. But the, the iPhone, I think, from what I understand from my colleagues in the U.S. media, because I'm not that close to Apple anymore, I think that they just got told the day before or something, you know? I mean, it like, I had no specifics locked down, but also, like... It's like it was perfect timing and it almost feels like it was responsive based on just how good the timing was. Yeah. So I don't even know if that was always Apple's plan. I don't know. Well, I mean, the rumors had been strong about the 15th or the 16th. And yeah. I, I didn't think the 16th would fly because Apple doesn't launch things on this on Thursdays. It's a bad day of the week like to do anything uh, in terms of PR. So I figured it would be Tuesday or Wednesday. But... You know, they obviously knew that OnePlus was doing something on Tuesday. So <laughs> let's steal their thunder and launch the, something the next day. That's half the price. Yeah. And considering where OnePlus has come from being such a champion of people looking for a more affordable phone and this time not necessarily delivering in that bracket, yeah. Apple's like, yeah, very, very well placed to pick up. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah, like I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> the thing that I meant felt like I never saw that coming was the price. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I did see it coming. because um, you're amazing, Miriam. No, no. Let's <laughs> talk about it because you and I have both reviewed the OnePlus 8 Pro. You have done it for uh, with more of an eye on photography. And yours is more of a first impression, really, right? Oh, yeah. It's not a full review. It's a hands-on. So I'm uh, reviewing it for a paper in the UK uh, called Metro and a week and a bit. So my early impression is what's up. Um, But I have used it for about a week now as a primary phone, and I've really enjoyed my time with it. Me too. Um, So I'd reviewed both because, um, well, they sent me both. And I wrote a review for Geekspin where, as you know, I do sometime review phones. And uh, I had to, we, we kind of, uh, talking to the editor-in-chief, Elena, who's been on the show as well here, her and I talked and I said, you know, I'm not quite sure what to do. I got two phones here. And she goes, well, why don't we do like um, um, one versus the other review, you know? And so I basically reviewed them in parallel, 
not as my main devices thing because it's hard to review two phones and make one your main because then you get more time with it. So I kept my SIM in my own phone and then I decided like, are you going to use those extensively, simultaneously, switch between them for everything I do for uh, almost two weeks. And uh, look, they're both great phones. That's my takeaway. Like ultimately, if you look at it, you cannot go wrong with either of these phones in a vacuum. Unfortunately, we don't live in a vacuum. There's this ecosystem of other phones. And of course, here in the US, we have a whole different thing to consider, which is we have pretty evolved 5G already. So, okay. right, it's not like you can say you don't need 5G. Absolutely. You can decide not to use it for another year or two, but it's starting to become a pretty big benefit for a lot of people. So, Especially now if they get yeah. it where they live. Yes. And so the coverage in the US is pretty broad on low band right now. Mm -hmm. um, some networks like T-Mobile have it pretty much, I would say in three quarters of the places they have LTE right now. So that's a lot of country, as you know, for the US. Um, and uh, a lot of people not, don't know because they don't have 5G phones, so they don't see it light up yet. But as soon as you get a 5G phone from, you know, like OnePlus in this case uh, directly or from the carriers themselves, since um, OnePlus is actually in the US was the first of these Chinese phone makers to strike a partnership with a carrier, and that was T-Mobile for the OnePlus 6T. And then now... Uh, they for for this eight, not the eight pro, but the eight. They struck a deal with Verizon, so they now have two of the big three carriers uh, yeah. operators on board. Um, but going back to what I was saying about the the One Plus Eight Pro versus Eight, for me, the One Plus Eight Pro is absolutely superb and phenomenal phone in its own right. You can take it independently in a vacuum and say this is a great phone for eight hundred ninety nine US dollars. Yeah, but I have a lot more issues with the one plus eight. And the reason for that is to summarize what we're going to talk to in depth is twofold. Number one, that it is expensive. Six ninety nine US is a hundred dollars more than 70 last year. The 70 is now four ninety nine US. That's two hundred dollars less. And you really don't get anything more with the eight other than 5G and, of course, the new Snapdragon chip, which is splitting hairs at this point, in my opinion. And you get a worse camera system than the 7T overall. And I really want to pick your brain about that. I know you haven't actually spent much time with the 8, but yeah. I want to hear your thoughts if you've read anything about the camera system on the 8 versus 7T. Because to me right now, there are really two options if you're looking at OnePlus after this Tuesday launch. One is to yeah. buy the 8 Pro. Spend the money and get something that, you know, puts puts Samsung on notice and it lives up, plays with the premium flagships up there in the expensive realm and is still cheaper than those. Or you buy the 7T and call it a day because the 7T is so close to the 8 other than 5G and you get a better camera, in my opinion, on the 7T. So what do you think of all that? Yeah, I don't understand why they zapped the telephoto. Like, And also, uh, I really loved the point of differentiation. Now, this might be just me because it's fundamentally from a design point of view, doesn't make a huge amount of sense having two totally different devices. But the back of the OnePlus 7T is so beautiful. That blue with that Lumia-esque round yes. camera surround. If they brought that back, and I love the screen of the 8. So the screen of the 8 is 
better because it's just fuller. You don't have that notch. I'm kind of over notches already. Um, but yeah, the camera system of the 8, exactly like you said, just doesn't cut it for me. I think what my biggest concern is, is that they basically kept the same setup, but they kind of crippled it. And the way they did that was, so it's the same, you know, 48 megapixel Sony IMX586. And to be clear with the audience, we're now talking about the OnePlus 8, not the 8 Pro. So don't, don't you know, don't yeah. start typing madly because I'm not talking about the 8 <laughs> Pro yet because the 8 Pro camera is a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about that because you and I have also both have an Oppo Find X2 Pro. So <laughs> lots of commonalities there. So the 8 has an IMX586, which is the same sensor as last year's entire 7 series. As a main I mean, the entire sensor. smartphone series. And the entire the smartphone series. <laughs> in fact, implemented in, in various good and bad ways last year. Bad yeah. ways would be like the... The, uh, the some of the gaming phones that have it they have a pretty yeah. poor performance on the camera um, and then good ways are phones like oh uh, the K20 Pro and K20 last year or, or Xiaomi Mi 9T and T Pro uh, yeah. which had that sensor and did incredible things with it my favorite implementation of that sensor is the Honor 20 Pro of last year did you use yeah. that one? I did. Uh, beautiful. It's unreal what what yeah. Huawei was able to do with that sensor. It, it's almost as good as the P30 sensor. And the, they didn't even have OIS on that one, if memory serves. Um, they do have OIS on that main sensor. Okay, got it. My I'm bad. pretty sure the Honor 20 Pro, not the 20, the Pro. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The I took it to Burning Man along with the P30 Pro. Those were my two phones for Burning Man last year. And uh, wow, let me tell you. Anyway, we're, di we're digressing. The, the point I'm making is that the OnePlus 8 has the same main camera as the OnePlus 7 series, all of it, except for one thing. Nobody's noticed it. I didn't even put it in my review because it's such a minor thing. But they went from an f of 1.7 lens to an f of 1.75 lens. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know why. Maybe has better. As maybe it's a better optical stack, has more lenses, and it's actually better, less distortion, less. It's clearer. I'm willing to buy that. And honestly, it's splitting hairs to have a different f-stop. But I'm still butthurt that in principle they made the aperture smaller by a little bit. I am so interested. That's what you picked up on when they've whacked <laughs> on a macro well, camera that well, is just yeah, that's, so mediocre. That's I'm going one by one here, but yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let's t tell me that because here's the thing. I, I want to preface this before you go in that route because the, I totally agree it's terrible that the 7 series last year, at least the 7T and the 7T Pro had and maybe the 7 Pro had a macro mode, super macro is called on OnePlus terminology. And it has this fantastic thing where it uses the ultra wide as yeah. a macro uh, by actually having autofocus on the ultra wide. It's very much like Huawei does with the Mate 30 and the P30 and the P40, where you can do yeah. macro photography using the ultra wide because it has autofocus. So, you know, Bear with us here, audience. Think about that in the back of your head. Think about an ultra-wide with autofocus and that you can do macro on. And now we switch to the 8. And Basil, what did OnePlus do? OnePlus whacked on a low-resolution macro camera that cannot handle anything but fantastic lighting. And doesn't have autofocus. 
Oh yeah, fixed focus. So it's, I mean, it's basically an old Nokia phone with like a close-up focus. Um, and the, you've got this on other cameras, like from Xiaomi, the um, Xiaomi Note 10. Um, and so like an Honor had this on the Honor 20. It's never been good. <laughs> it's never been something anyone's wanted. So with the like additional cameras on both the OnePlus 8 and OnePlus 8 Pro, I'm left scratching my head. It would have almost been better if neither were there because it would have been less confusing. Exactly. So, and then if you didn't get the memo from Basil just earlier when we were talking, because you got to be on it and listen to us carefully, he said there's no telephoto, right? So what happened is they lumped the telephoto out, which by the way, on the 7T is a very meh telephoto. So I'm not Agreed. too mad, It's but let, let's get there in a sec. But I think that they removed the telephoto and added, they added a macro without autofocus that's two megapixels is terrible. And they could have kept, they could have just plugged the hole, had two cameras in there and, and kept that autofocusing. It's still autofocus. The, the, the OnePlus 8 still has an ultra wide that autofocuses. I tested it. They could in software have super macro on that camera. It's the same sensor and lens as last year on the 7T, Basil. Do you know what's so painful? Like, and I'm going on a total tangent in terms of off OnePlus, the P40 in the UK. Now I know there's a Google story. That's a 699 device with yeah. 5G and the camera system on the P40 is so beautiful. My dream OnePlus 8 would have had a P40 camera. Exactly. So what I, what I could have done here is I understand that taking the telephoto was a cost cutting measure and then putting in a crappy two megapixel fixed focus, you know, it has large pixels, 1.75, but that doesn't seem to help it at all in low light. The aperture is f 2.4. It's terrible. They went for really cheap because they wanted to plug that third hole and not make it look like they only had two cameras. And I don't understand this. Why not put a black and white there or something? Like, do something else. Even that, let's go crazy here. What about putting that weird gimmicky color no, filter camera from say the 8 it, Pro? Don't say it. <laughs> No, no, but we they could have so done much. that. Honestly, I would have yeah. been less butthurt by them keeping the super It would have added macro. consistency as well, rather than this have, totally new. I would have new... been happier with them keeping the macro on the ultra wide with autofocus and put some kind of silly third camera that will never use so that they can see they have three cameras on the back. Freaking call it a time of flight and we'll be done with it. <laughs> exactly, or depth sensor like so, like yeah. Oppo likes to do. And also, by the way, Oppo, I blame Oppo for putting two megapixel macro cameras without autofocus on their phones as well. Oppo yeah. 2, Reno 2, Reno 2, Z, come on, you know, all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but ah, it's just driving me nuts how much part spinning is happening here, right? like between BBK group phones. And the one thing that I have to say is better on the 8 than I expected, given that they lumped off the telephoto from the 7T, is that it actually works pretty well as a telephoto. Well, it's not, it's not a separate lens. So it works very well zooming in digitally cropping and doing some fancy computational photography goodness with maybe probably what, like similar to what Pixel does, but not as advanced uh, of, you know, using your motion, your hand motion to extrapolate extra data, uh, yeah. but because it zooms really well up to about three times, no problem. I felt it was pretty solid, the results. So, you know, 
again, I don't know how like, you feel about that. I haven't tested the zooming on the eight, but it's exactly like you said. It's just looking at it and then looking at last year's. If I was a OnePlus 7T user right now, I'd be very happy is what I guess I'm trying to say. And that's what I said in my review. I said, you, unless you need 5G, absolutely need it, which you absolutely do not, even in the US where it's widespread, you do not need 5G yet. If you do not need 5G, you do not need a OnePlus 8. Buy a 70, it's $200 less. Basil, 200 US dollars less. Real me. That's like the elephant in the, what the hell is this point of this but phone? The problem room. is Realme is not sold in the US. You can't no. buy it from a carrier. No, the X50 Pro, if you, obviously a lot of people won't want to import their phones. And also, even in the UK, they're having trouble getting it over. But around Europe now, the Realme X50 Pro, for a roughly 500 pounds, and that's got 5G. So um, if I know Realme probably won't be in the US, moot point, but. No, but from... I'm, I'm on board with you. We're not, this is not just a US centric sh uh, podcast. I get it. And, and I would recommend if we're going to go there, K30, K30 oh, yeah. Pro, K30 Pro Zoom, 5G. I mean, come on, they have versions of that and it's yeah. going to be cheap. Like, that's not the point. The point is that it's just that they, they just did something stupid here. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, I just, I just can't. Ah, nobody much wrote about it because they're like, oh yeah, they replaced. Because nobody understands that the ultra wide with the autofocus is still there, Basil, and all it is is software <laughs> preventing it to be the macro. It's butt hurting me so hard right now. And breathe. Oh. It's happened. You can't oh. change it. Can't change it. Anyway, so you get a lesser camera overall. But I have to say the telephoto performance, quote unquote telephoto, the, the visual zoom performance. Uh, I can tell that the ISP on the 865 is doing some really good work there. It is impressive what they're able to achieve with 3X. I would say it's usable up to 5X, which is incredible. Nice. And I'm saying usable as in like Instagram, you won't notice, you know, pixel people on your laptop, you will. But that, you have to admit, is really impressive. I put it side by side with the telephoto from the, um, the 8 Pro. And yeah. honestly, they held their own up to 5X. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And, and I think the reason for that is because, <laughs> and maybe it's time to switch to the 8 Pro camera for a second. The reason for that is that the telephoto on the 8 Pro is really pretty much the same telephoto that was on the 7 yeah. Pro and 7T Pro, which is a which different never telephoto. Which is mind-blowing. Yeah. Which is definitely a different telephoto than the 7T, by the way. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's not great. It's, no. It's an 8 megapixel sensor. You know, it's, um, well, okay, it's actually not that. It's supposed to be an 8 megapixel sensor with 3x zooming, optical. But what it really is, is a 13 megapixel sensor with 2.2x optics. And uh. they crop it to 8 megapixels. Uh. And the f-stop is 2.4. And that's, man, but for a zoom lens, that's acceptable. And here, here, here we go. Here's the kicker. Here's the killer. One micron pixels. And so... The end result is that in low light, up to 3x, the OnePlus 8 cropping zoom is better because, get this, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do a switch to in the software that lets the OnePlus 8 Pro use its main sensor up to 3x in low light. In low light, yeah. Because, you know, it's f of a 1.75 or whatever, and it's... It's 48 megapixels, and let's talk about the main sensor on the 8. But yeah, it's not just another 48 megapixel sensor like on the 8. It's the second time we've seen Sony's new sensor. 
Right. And, and oh, by the way, as an aside, before we go, the, before we go to the main sensor, the ultra wide on the eight pro is exactly the same sensor, the Sony IMX 586 as, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the main sen same sensor as the seven series main sensor. Um, and as you said, all of last, almost all of last year's, uh, Chinese phones, <laughs> but yeah, um, that's not, sensor, that's amazing. It's amazing. Actually, the ultra wide on the eight pro is phenomenal. I feel yeah, like it's not made 30 pro P 40 pro phenomenal, but you know, that's because to be expected because Huawei still wins the roost here, but plus you're paying less for it. So in the UK, right. the price difference is 200 sterling. And remember when we talk about the OnePlus 8 Pro camera here, when you, when you hear us talk about it right now, that if you want a better camera system in terms of telephoto, you can switch up to the Oppo Find X2 Pro, which is basically the exact same camera system other than it throws out the telephoto and adds a folded 5X optical zoom lens. Yeah. So what's your take on that Sony IMX689 main sensor on the OnePlus 8 Pro? Correct me if I'm wrong. My findings from the Find X2 were done with earlier software than is available now. What I loved about it on the Find X2 was largely down to Oppo's image tuning. It was so much more natural and so much more um, desaturated than what I'd come from, which was a Samsung Galaxy S20. Ultra. Oh my God. It's a, the Galaxy S20, the processing on that phone kills the camera. <laughs> Yeah, so you can just imagine it was like salvation coming to the Find X2 Pro. Now I've noticed that the OnePlus saturation and processing is pumped up by comparison to the Find X2 yeah. Pro. So I preferred the Find X2 Pro, but I think actually that's really going to come down to the individual, a lot of that. Yes, I think that's something. I don't think we can knock them for that. I think we can knock Samsung for over sharpening and oh, over processing because yeah. it's really obvious. But I think we cannot knock OnePlus for being. Um, a different, basically, aesthetic of the no. output because photography is a filter no matter what you do, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Once you have wrap your head around the fact that no two cameras are going to look the same in the same environment because of physical hardware differences and, in this case, a lot of physical software differences because we have the same sensor and the same optics, there's a lot of things that are the same between the 8 Pro and the Find X2 Pro. Like, the display is the same. The haptic motor is the same. You know, the main camera and the ultra-wide are the same. Uh, yeah. it, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's again, hello, BBK part spin specials. Uh, I'm, I'm not mad at that. I think it's fine. I just feel that um, it's a little too obvious sometimes what they do up in OnePlus, you know. It's yeah. like, what was the phone, one of the earlier phones, I think it was the, the, the OnePlus 5, I want to say, um, that looked like a complete, like, identical almost to an, some Oppo K series of yeah. its time. Completely. No, or our series, like the R15 or the R4. I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, I think it was um, anyway, the 6T. That's, that's so yeah. typical. That's so typical. So to me, the, the camera system on the 8 Pro is pretty solid. The, the telephoto is last year's, and it's the only problem I have with the telephoto is the processing right now is hazy and cloudy in many circumstances. Like contrast is, is off and weird. And I think that's just a bug in the software. They're going to fix it. Um, it. It feels, it doesn't feel weak, um, but it doesn't feel... You know, it's definitely the Achilles heel of the OnePlus 8 Pro camera system, and it's but it's not a deal breaker. It's not like it still falls well within its, you know, intended price point performance uh, ratio in terms of like delivering to me. Uh, you're not going to get a periscope lens at this price point. Like, just get real, okay? Like, no. how much more is the X2 Pro? Like, Oppo is like, 
Oh my god, like sorry, in the UK that's 1099 bucks. It's all pounds sterling. So, yeah. um that's by contrast to 799 starting price. Now, you do obviously get other benefits as well like the 65 watt fast charging and the 512 yeah. gig storage, but you lose out on the warp charge, 30 uh, wireless warp Wireless. Charge so, that. yeah, that's the other thing that's exciting about the 8 Pro for me that I you know, I just want to say as an aside for the listeners who, who keep hearing me about what what I'm still haven't solved my what is going to be my next main phone dilemma, but I kind of have because I think it's going to be a OnePlus 8 Pro. Uh. And the reason for that for me is multifold. Um, I need stock Android-ish experience. I come from Pixel. I've been a Nexus and Pixel user up to the 3XL. I haven't made the switch to the 4. I don't know if you listened to the previous podcast, Basil, but this has been the big thorn on my side for the last six months since the 4 come out is that a lot of my banking apps and other apps, my Tesla app and a bunch of other apps that I use every day that require authentication through fingerprinting, uh, although the Tesla app only requires that when you want to do something advanced. But my point is I use a lot of apps that require fingerprint authentication. And I'm very happy with Android phones that support fingerprint authentication. And on iOS, all these apps support Face ID just fine. But of all these apps, they are maybe only one quarter right now that support the uh, special Face ID system on the Pixel 4. Mm-hmm. Which for a and flagship device of an operating system is crazy. It, well, it's also the, the fault of the developers who are banks yeah. and stuff and don't care. They're like, who uses pixels? That's such a that's like an audience of five. We're not going to code for that. And th- it's actually, you know, I, I can blame them a bit for being lazy, but I can also blame Google for not making an API that's completely transparent. That all mm-hmm. like Apple did. There was no change needed for Apple for for things to work when developers switched to Face ID. So why couldn't Google do it? The reality. Is that I cannot use that phone as my main phone for that reason. Plus, I hate that that forehead, that's massive forehead, and I hate the. Plus, um, unless you have the XL, you won't survive well, until I have the XL. lunchtime. I have the XL. Okay. Uh, battery life was the next thing I was going to say. So I've been looking for a replacement. I've been like, should I wait for the Pixel Five, or should I just because I'm still on my three XL for a little while? I had switched over to the McLaren Edition One Plus Seven T Pro, which mm-hmm. is was only sold by a carrier in the US. Uh, which okay. was T-Mobile, which happens to be my carrier and was the f- one of the first 5G phones on the network. So I actually used it with 5G for a while, which was really lovely. But, you know, again, that phone had another issue. It had no wireless charging, which the Pixel does and I'm used to and I don't want to give up. So I think the OnePlus 8 Pro has solved all the riddles. It is unlocked, which is unlike the 7T Pro McLaren in the US at least, which you have to buy through carrier. It is, so it comes with bloatware and it's locked and you can't use it in a broad with another SIM, etc. And it also doesn't even have dual SIM, it's a single SIM phone. Um, so that's all resolved by buying the unlocked 8 Pro, which has dual SIM, has 5G support for the US on my carrier, has wireless charging. And has all the goodness of the 70 Pro other than the pop-up camera because now we lose a bit of screen real estate to the, to the you know, to the hole punch. And some people are going to be upset about that. How do you IP, feel? You get IPA, uh, IP68. Oh, you get IP16.8. That's a big deal too, yeah. Officially, at least. I'm pretty sure uh, the... Yeah, the old one was too. But then you weren't going to say that with a selfie camera that popped out and then people would test the theory beyond Good measure. Point. But yeah, Good point. I completely, completely um, agree in, to a degree. Um, but like there are just so many other like black marks against the Pixel um, that I never would have even considered, the XL even considered it as a primary phone. The 8, like the only thing I found which was really annoying me with the 8 Pro is the yeah. edge detection. 
Um, oh yeah, it's and a I'm little sure wonky. that's early software. But that's a fix, because, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that with the original Find X2 Pro, but then that got fixed quite quickly. Yeah, me too. I got, I've gotten because I got my Find X2 Pro right on it, like you know, like one of the early journalists, and I got mm -hmm. so many updates now. That it's gotten yeah. better and better. In fact, I'm about to review it for hot hardware. So, like, like I'm reviewing it a month late or more than a month late now, but on purpose, kind of because I wanted to wait for things to stabilize a little bit, especially since in the US it's not sold officially, right? It doesn't okay. exist. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I, so, I like also the fact that it's a very different characteristic phone to, even though the hardware is the same to the OnePlus, even down to like the screen's just a lot warmer. Like yeah, they're, yeah. No, they're really... it's amazing how I have to give, you know, device, despite the part special um, uh, nomenclature that I used earlier, I have to admit that Oppo is definitely has its own flavor and OnePlus has its own flavor. And that's the other thing. Mm. I cannot live with the Oppo or Xiaomi U UI experience. It's like Xiaomi. Yes. Oppo, I'm OK with. It's better with Oppo and, and it's 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 minor stuff. But with OnePlus and to, you know, to a greater extent, of course, with Pixel. I know I'm going to get. I'm also going to get updates and security updates very rapidly, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and now that they're provided, supported by the US by US carriers, it also means that even though I, I, my 8 Pro is going to be my review unit, my I'm going to switch to that. Um, I'm not buying it from a carrier. I'm going to get better support too if something goes wrong. Like I can go into a T-Mobile store with my 8 Pro and say, "Hey, something's up with my SIM card," and they can look at it and go, "Oh yeah, here's a new SIM card." You know what I'm saying? Like whereas if I had a and, and this doesn't matter to me because I'm a phone nerd, but I think a lot of people, it does matter that they can walk into with a, with a phone that's unlocked that is also supported by their operator, right? Completely. In the US, that's a big deal because people, really, there's no, there's not a lot of stores that are yeah. independent stores, like no. Car Warehouse or whatever. There's Best Buy, but that's it, you know? But even here, Car Phone Warehouse, they've all shut down now. Uh, that was the first casualty of recent times. But um, no, like with the UK, this Find X2 is available here, but that's £1,099 sterling on a brand that you may not have heard of. The only one of my friends who'd heard of Oppo is a hi-fi nerd who heard of them like what, six years ago. Because you knew about the upscaling DVD players, yeah. But he'd never heard of the phones. And so when I you tell him there's a £1,099 phone by Oppo, he's like, I'm not going to buy that. Like I could get an iPhone for that price. Yeah. Right. Then I tell him how great it is, and he's like, mm. "So they've got a lot of work to do here." Yeah. No, I understand that. So I think, look, if you are listening in the U.S., it's very clear. If you can afford it, buy the OnePlus Eight Pro. It will work on AT and T and T Mobile, two of the carriers in five G. It will work only on L on LTE on Verizon, a and then if you are not interested in buying an 8 Pro and you want to really get the best OnePlus experience for the money with a reduction in price to 499 the 7T, I would forego the 5G for another six months, year or yeah. even a year and a half and, and use that phone for a little while because the 8 is too much of a compromise on the camera front. It's a great phone in other ways though, but it doesn't have wireless charge, doesn't have an IP rating, it doesn't really add more than the 7T and only, re, you know, on, only adds 5G and the Snapdragon 865, which you really don't notice much of a difference in performance because that's another thing that OnePlus does so well is speed. Even my pixels are never that fast ever, right? They, they wouldn't be, um, even though you think they'd be optimized by Google. But look, the reality is that 
I'm going to switch to 8 Pro myself. And if you can afford it, get the 8 Pro. And if you can't afford it, keep stick to the 7 Pro, uh, sorry, 7T. And then, of course, the 8 is a special case. If you're on Verizon in the US, which is only millimeter 5G right now, so completely irrelevant because you have to be near a pole on a street that has multiple <laughs> poles in select five US cities. It's more than five, but my point is in very few downtown cores where right now you're not going to go because of coronavirus anyway. So they have a special version of the 8 for Verizon that instead of low band 5G, which is all the other versions, has that millimeter wave 5G. And they want 100 US dollars more. So instead of 699, it's 799. And it's locked to the carrier. And you still have all the camera issues. So that, again, you're better off on 4G on Verizon with an unlocked 7T. So I'm again, the 8 is a completely irrelevant. So what I want to know from you, Basil, is you're in the UK. How do you see that war 8 versus 8 Pro for your users? I see it quite differently. I don't know how available the OnePlus 7 Pro is in the US, but I would it's, actually say, oh, go for it. It's available. It's also discounted right now, but not quite as discounted. So I would say the thing with the 8 that really struck me, and I felt like you may you didn't appreciate it maybe as much as me, when you lay it aside the 7T, it, the screen is so much more yes. full. Yes. The, the, it's a it's way less bezel, that slight curve, it's less curved than the Pro. So you don't have that edge issue I had with the Pro, again, even though that's going to be probably fixed very soon. But irrespective, it's immersive and for watching content on. So if you're a movie buff and you are looking at the 8, I would actually look at the 7 Pro. Okay. Because the 7 Pro, again, you hit the nail on the head. The power on these OnePlus phones has been so great for so long. Um, and the optimization has been fantastic. Um, and the 7 Pro has that all screen display with that Quad HD plus res wide Quad HD resolution. Yeah, that's right. It's a better display. It's almost the same display as the uh, the 8 Pro, although the 8 Pro is even better in terms of color um, yeah. calibration and stuff. But I think that you're right. It's a better display than the 7T on the 7 Pro. By all means, you, you know, you, you have 90 hertz on both, but one's 1080p, one's 1440p. It's a good point. It's a, you make a very good point because that's also affordable. I haven't looked at the pricing on the 7 Pro in the US, but it's also being discounted right now. And, you know, we're talking about, the, I'm talk, talking about the 4G version that's unlocked that you can buy from OnePlus, get a warranty, get support for all three carriers in the US. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. So that, that's really my like thing. If your focus is on camera, then yeah, get the eight pro. Uh, sorry, get the seventy pro. Um, but or but get the seven. Um, sorry, there seven pro. So many words and numbers. I know but, it's so complicated. We haven't talked much about the seventy pro because in the US it's irrelevant. It only exists on T-Mobile, and it's been uh, completely obsoleted by the eight pro now. Uh, got so, it. You know. Got it. Well, in, in the UK, but to be fair, you're absolutely right as well. In the UK, um, generally, once one is available, the other, the predecessor stops being widely available. So I'm taught, and I don't know how it is in the US, but in the UK, there are quite a lot of people who are very comfortable buying phones outright more so than they used to be. So it right. wouldn't be unheard of for them to just jump yeah, on here Amazon. It's a lot harder to convince people. My audience will buy a phone outright. No problem. They, they, mm -hmm. They're on board. But I think that um, you can still buy uh, OnePlus 6Ts here from carriers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, as long as they have stock, they're going to sell them, basically. It's not like they don't care. And they, they give you a discount. And, you you know, because it's all rolled into your plan in some kind of weird way. And it's just like, I'm who knows? 
I'm not a big player in that game. I don't like doing that. So no, that's that's no. why I can't talk about the the OnePlus 7T Pro because the 7T Pro here is only the McLaren edition, only 5G, only yeah. really expensive and completely obsolesced yeah. by by the 8 Pro now. Big um, time. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised they completely stop selling their stock until you know once they run out, if they even have any stock, because that phone I think was really impossible to find because it's such it was such a high end phone, right? It was yeah. coveted by people and it was like nine ninety nine or eight ninety nine US, which is the same price as an 8 Pro today. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Let's switch to the iPhone a little bit um, because I also want to cover some news items and we're already 35 minutes <laughs> into this. Because, uh, you know, um, I think we've talked about the important things on the, the various differences between the 8 and the 8 Pro, especially on the camera side. And we talked about the, the big thing for me is wireless charging on the 8 Pro, which really makes it possible to have a daily driver as a OnePlus phone now because I'm such a user of wireless charging. I have a pad in my Tesla. I have pads on my desk and everywhere. And I don't necessarily need the 30 watt. It's nice to have. I've had, Obviously, they sent me the charger that goes with it. But it, it's just nice to have and now that i have it i can feel like i'm not missing out on something that my pixel did much better right yeah so se what's your take on that i mean for me it's a no-brainer but i want to hear what you think so again in the uk i think everything i'm going to start is going to be like in the uk um pricing <laughs> of iphones is way worse than it is in the us we've historically been paying a lot more so my shock at the price um is like a direct reflection of that um so i knew we knew the iphone se it's been rumored for youngs now i don't know you know john porter at the verge he's been complaining about it every day for years that's now right that there is no iphone se successor um but having said that yeah it's um it's just a really really smart move and launching it now um even if it was always planned to launch now at this price also apple's kind of bringing back its old design in a again a very clever way um it knows its user very well and that's across the spectrum of people just happy plodding along with apple products not having to think too hard right through to fans who want something aspirational yeah no i think it's their timing is i mean it's a double whammo and irony and timing for OnePlus. You know, first of all, they totally stole the news cycle away from them. Yeah. And it sucks for OnePlus. Although, I mean, you know, we got a lot of coverage by OnePlus, um, mm -hmm. of OnePlus by the media, because these phones are so critical. This is such yeah. a turning point for OnePlus right now. They're, they're finally playing with the big leagues. Like, this is... This is amazing, Basil. If you walk into a U.S. carrier store today, you really are going to only see three three brands. You used to only see two. You're going to wow. see Samsung and Apple, and now you're going to yeah. see OnePlus. This is how big this deal is. You Whereas see, we've before, had... oh, because you have to it. understand, we sell LG phones. We sell like uh, other phones, like, but you don't see any of the Chinese. So you don't see, you don't see Huawei, you don't see Oppo, you don't mm. see Xiaomi, Vivo, any of those, they don't exist in the US. And yeah, even yeah. at retail, they don't exist. You have to go on Amazon and import them, right? So those are outdoors. So the only thing you really have left are Sony every now and then, LG every now and then, Moto, of course. And you know, there's a lot of Moto news coming up. Yeah. And and that's it. And and they're in the corner in the back. Nobody knows about them and buys them. You know what I'm saying? Like the Sony's are too expensive. The the LG's are basically if you can't afford a Samsung, you go for an LG, right? Because um, mm -hmm. they're a little cheaper and they all they feel like a Samsung phone. And then you know you get like a, every now if you want a good mid range phone and you, you you don't care about you know like you care about your monthly payment because it's really not going to come down to a 
a, a full upfront cost. If you walk into a carrier store, it's going to come to a monthly payment cost. Yeah. And the monthly payment is going to be really low. Not so you're going to buy a Moto G series or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's it in the US. That's it. And everybody buys Apple or Samsung, Apple or Samsung. Now they're going to have to, oh, OnePlus. This is a third player. What do, what do we do? And that's 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 huge for the US. That's, that's a big, big deal. And I know it's hard for people who are listening from India right now or Australia or UK. And I don't want to yeah. negate your experiences because I know you're a big part of this podcast, folks. But I have to look at, look, I'm Canadian and who lives in the US. And I was born and raised in France. So I also have a French citizenship. I am all about you know, the covering things for everyone. But there you know, because I live here in this crazy country, I have to look at it at some of these nitty gritty things that are more specific to us because it, you know, it's kind of a weird place to be in terms of everything, but also the mobile carrier and, and landscape and stuff, right? Like people yeah. don't have really understand it people in the UK how much of a duopoly it's been and having a third player in this now is like holy crap you know do you think it's going to be an access point for BBK so like what I when I referenced uh Oppo earlier with regards to the pricing and the fact that brand is unknown OnePlus isn't unknown here OnePlus has been with O2 for absolutely years OnePlus is now on EE like which is the like you know, it's the 5G network. If you think right. 5G, you think EE in the e, UK. Right. So like, yeah. and OnePlus was, uh, I think it was the best or the second best selling 5G device on launch when it uh, launched uh, with a five, uh, OnePlus 75G Pro, blah, blah, all the words. Um, but the long and short, do you think that might enable BBK to get Realme and get um, Oppo over? I think it might unlocked sold by Amazon with a warranty and a, mm. an official website in the US. Yes. But carriers, it's taken seven years, whatever it is, been now for OnePlus to get in. Yeah, yeah. But okay. even that, like when you look at the hurdles that Huawei's having to jump through, the loops are having to jump through, and also um, ha like it was on the cards with the, um, was it Mate 20? And then it was off the cards. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then there's um, the fact that um, ZTE, I don't know where ZTE is with you guys. Well, ZTE exists. It's, it's very much, they sell mostly low-end and mid-range phones to prepaid carriers here. Yeah, yeah. And VMOs. Yeah. So th there you go. Like, if even if BBK could just get their other brands f for sale, I, they th I think they would do what I think they're trying to do, and that is be the next Huawei. I think Xiaomi needs to come in. That's that's the next one that needs to come in. I think BBK is already pretty happy with One OnePlus and just stick with it. OnePlus is not considered a Chinese brand here at all. People no. have no idea. They think of it as, you know, another Asian company of some kind, but they don't think Chinese at all. Yeah. Which is a, you know, the day Trump wakes up and realizes OnePlus is Chinese, <laughs> we're screwed. Okay, uh, you do understand yeah. what's going to happen next. Um, and I hate to have to say that, but let's talk about the iPhone. <laughs> let's um, do it. Let's do it. If you walk in the carrier stores and you see three brands now, great. But one of them is Apple. And I think Apple nailed this, the SE. A lot of people are complaining. I'm having a discussion right now on Facebook with a friend of mine I used to work with in video games. And he's like, Miriam, my wife was so excited about this. And now she's so disappointed because it's 4.7 inch display and it's an iPhone 8 chassis and it's too big. And I'm like... What the F do you want? Like, if they had kept the small chassis, say roughly the same footprint as the old SC, the 5S, the 5, and stretched the screen to the corners, like the, the you know, like the modern phones do with be bezel-less displays, we would no longer have 
uh, Touch ID, we would have Face ID, and the price would be six ninety nine. Yeah. Like, look at the guts of this thing. The fact that they were able to recycle a chassis, and in I think in this in this space they're playing with a three ninety nine US. It's there. This is a, a little swan song. A final little hooray and a final thank you to those users who still don't want to use Face ID will eventually be drag kicking and screaming into Face ID for the next round, but they can be happy for three or four years now with a phone that will be top notch for them every day. Completely. And I'd like almost challenge his wife to get the phone in her hand because uh, I think we start looking at numbers and stop realizing like how the phones actually have developed Feel. over the last I know. few years. I know. And this is such a thin, small It's phone. so small today. It's so small, even with its bezels. And yeah. I told him, I said, he says, well, I have an iPhone 10 and she finds that too big. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, the iPhone 10 is just a couple of millimeters bigger than an 8. So I can yeah. understand how she'd be butthurt because... They're close, but they're still that few millimeters makes a huge difference, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what I was talking about with the exchange rate, where the, there's a there's the exchange rate, and there's always been the Apple exchange rate. It <laughs> starts at only four hundred and nineteen pounds here. Oh my God, that's phenomenal. Which so that's not sticking with like what has happened in the past, um, especially after. It's not three nine. It should be three ninety nine pounds, right? No. Oh my God. No. Like in the past. So if you, if an iPhone had launched for four, the three nine nine bucks or sorry, four nine nine bucks US. or something in the US, uh -huh. it would have uh, launched in the UK, uh, like a higher sterling price um, to the uh, dollar. Okay. So like four ninety nine or four fifty. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Like there's ah, always okay. been I always such thought huge it was, I, I thought it was one-on-one -on -one across euros and pounds and US because, you know, the it went up expected. after Brexit. Ah, it went after up after, after the referendum went haywire. Then, um, oh yeah, we're already out of the EU. Huh. Um, then the price of all Apple products went up, um, and it was really, really full on. Like there have been a few things that have made it bump up. Um, but having said that, the idea of an iPhone for four hundred and nineteen pounds here in the UK is totally just yeah bonkers. Yeah, and think about this with an. A13 Bionic in it, faster than Snapdragon 865. Yeah, super low res screen by comparison. And that's not in well, a, a dig. I mean, that's not a dig. It's to say this has minimal load on the processor. <laughs> like, I know, it's going to be able to load. fly. It's going to have the same size battery, which will last forever. It's gonna, it doesn't have 5G to worry about. I think the biggest discussion I want to have around the SE, because you and I, photo nerds, is the camera system and the choices. Yeah. It looks like they're using the um, iPhone XR XR hardware for the camera with almost all the software from the 11 cameras because of the Bionic uh, the 13 chip, A13 chip. And that the only thing we're going to miss out on is night mode. But I'm not clear that that means that you can't... Like night mode right now on the 11, you can't manually select, right? It's automatic only, right? I don't know on the 11. I think it kicks in by itself. You don't have an ability to set it manually. So if they yeah. say it doesn't have it, that means it's not automatically going to select. And that's a bit of a bummer. But everything else about it seems pretty solid to me. You get OIS. You get 4K yeah, video. Yeah, you get OIS now. The wow. 4K video that Apple like produces. 4K 60. 60 frames. Exactly. I know. So I can't, yeah, I, I can't help but be impressed. Wireless like, charging. Like which $399... Android phone, new $399, launch price. Huh? I'm not talking about discounted Galaxy S9 from two years ago, okay? I'm talking about 
a new brand new <laughs> Android phone today at three ninety nine has wireless charging in a metal also, and glass chassis. Which Android phone today has IP sixty seven protection? At yes, that price. Like at that price. So you've actually got Apple for the first time at the perfectly timed like time putting the value proposition together. And the COVID nineteen pandemic timing is even more perfect because a lot of people are hurting here right now. It's yeah. really bad in the US. Our economy is completely dying and people are losing their jobs. And, you know, sometimes, yes, you're going to say, well, I'll hold off and buy a new phone later. I'm not talking about that. Imagine you drop your iPhone 11 right now and you yeah. break it and you don't have Apple Care. You need an iPhone and you came from an 11. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, like you go out and buy an iPhone SE is what you do now. Yeah, um, I'm completely it's not ideal, blown away. But I mean, I think it's great. And I'm people were complaining about the industrial design and the reuse and recycling of designs. Apple's done this before. The original SE was so, was so great because it was like that. Uh, yeah. It had the 6S guts in, an, in a 5S chassis. And this is the same. It's, it's the 11 guts in a 8 chassis. And... I think it's a great, I think it's also a smart move. The number of people who want small iPhones, and, and I know this is not small enough for a lot of them, you know, but I think like, I still, as you said, give it a chance. And the other thing is the number of people on the, in the iPhone universe that do not want face ID and still want a home button and a fingerprint sensor on it, touch ID is in, is staggering. I don't know about the UK, but everyone I talk here still, what are we now? Three generations in on the face ID and they still don't want it. Yeah, I don't I don't hear that that much here. But what I do have is people who have iPhone 6s, 7s, 8s who feel like their phone now looks old and outdated um after the 10 um came out. Yeah, like yeah. now their phones look fresh <laughs> like all <laughs> over again. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that an iPhone 8 or an iPhone SE or are you just exactly. see me, right? Yeah. There you go. So I think actually <laughs> like this is a kind uh, like a weirdly it feels like a kind move to a lot of people. Um even folks who aren't ready to upgrade but are coming from a 6 7 or 8. Yeah, no, this is a great news. I think it's going to sell like hotcakes. Um which brings us to one of the news items really quickly. I know I'm not doing this in the right order, but um, this is going to be a big deal, you know, when the uh, Pixel 4a comes out in terms of competition. Here in the US, the Pixel 4a, like the Pixel phones are never big sellers, but they're, you know, again, like OnePlus, you can buy them from some carriers and they are unlocked and officially available with a warranty. And some sort of support, not as good support as, as Apple for sure. But, you know, you, you, Apple's support is legendary. But I think that, you know, they had a chance with it, the 4A. But now I'm worried no. that if the 4A is 399 I don't see anybody. I mean, I'm on board. I think, honestly, I'm so butthurt by the 4 and 4XL that if I didn't have the OnePlus 8 Pro to switch to, I might switch to a 4A. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I, the camera is what I care about and yeah. um, the fingerprint sensor and the pixel experience and you get all that. You don't get water resistance. You do get a headphone jack. You're probably not going to get wireless charging. If the no. 4A had wireless charging, I think that might be better, but I don't think that's going to happen. But also, if the 4A carries forward the 3A's design, like it's fine, but it's fine. You know, it's plastic. It doesn't feel special. And it's ultimately like, unless it has a, like an amazing, pro it won't have an amazing processor. It's not going to compete with the iPhone on a power no, front. No. And based on pixel markup, again, devices that may not be available in the US, like from Realme, etc., you're going to just be able to get so much more bang for your buck. I would 
be oh absolutely I will, yeah. I will recommend, I'm sure I'll be recommending the K30 series like yeah. I was recommending the K20 series last year, yeah. the, you know, uh, the Redmi's, because they're so good uh, yeah. for the money with Snapdragon 865s um, yeah. and, and last year 855s. I, I mean, you're right. And and for those of us who are nerds and early adopters and buy phones, um, you know, gray market, I think that's going to fly. But I still think there's some space in there for the 4A somehow. The fact that it has a bigger edge-to-edge -edge display with OLED and the camera is yeah. still going to surpass other than video like just talking stills it's still yeah. going to surpass the iPhone SE yeah so but my point you're right it's not premium it's it's definitely a step down um and you know if you're an iPhone user you're not going to go on Android it's more like if no. you're an Android user right now and your <laughs> phone breaks and you want a brand new phone are you going to wait for the 4a or are you going to switch over to iPhone for a little yeah. bit and if I had a, a pixel one. 3 regular pixel 3 i was getting totally like just brain dead by the fact that my photos kept deleting themselves and i was having like terrible battery life and ultimately between like bad ram management and whatever was going on that i didn't see i was so turned off pixel i would go to an iphone SE like off the back i would not upgrade to exactly. and i so i think generally with pixels what's let them down has been the experience from pixel to pixel to pixel yeah they haven't aged yeah. well once you've had a pixel for a long time yeah oh they're terrible they they slow down and they stutter and they don't enough ram always they always lack ram this you know i mean look the reality is i'm gonna link to an article by david raddock the editor-in-chief of android police you know i write there sometimes and he wrote a really great story yesterday about how the iphone sc is going to obliterate the pixel 4a and this is an android blog okay like I, I think you should read the article. It'll be in the show notes along with, you know, my um my eight versus eight pro one plus review, along with Basil's eight pro um, you know, digital camera world story, along with the SE stories from The Verge. They they did the Verge did a deep dive. It was John did a deep dive on the SE two camera. So um check it out. Oh, of course it was John. Uh speaking of pixels really quickly, is that the four A is leaking extremely hard right now so it should be launching really soon and again i think it's going to be a bust now I, I was really excited about it and i'm still excited like as a pixel fan about it but i just feel like it's getting it's going to get its lunch eaten by uh by apple i think if i were google right now i would delay this by a month or two and then try to sell it at a 50 dollars discount out of the box yeah know? or just launch with a lower price oh, yeah or launch right away with lower price something like that but speaking of lower prices if you are a pixel user or want to be a pixel user or broke your pixel and really need a pixel right now this is your time like in the us right now this week as we're speaking when you get this podcast on saturday you're going to be able to buy a pixel 3a for 299 us dollars and a pixel 4 the base 4 for 499 which I still wouldn't buy the Pixel 4 at that price, in my opinion. <laughs> it's six months old. It's also the small one, the battery life, blah, blah, blah. But it's a good deal considering the original price. But then you consider that the original price was terribly expensive for what it was, and it's not a good deal. Buy the 3A. If you need a backup phone right now, and you're yeah. an Android lover, and you somehow really like pure Android, and the camera is important, and you, can't, you, care, you, you don't care about plastic and all that, the 3A for $299 is insane. Yeah, and I agree. And like, I'm coming from a very, very spoilt frame of reference. Obviously, I'm coming from like yeah, we both. I think <laughs> yeah, like a periscope camera, like a P30 Pro I was using before. And so, like, you will compromise 
But here's the thing, in the UK, you can get a P30 Pro for not that dissimilar a price. So getting the P30 Pro right now is such a smart move because you've still got Google services. And so it's not gonna be like this in all markets, but that Periscope camera, the fact that when you, unlike with the Pixel 3a, wanna take a portrait shot, it's not super crusty when you creep into it because it's yeah. actually yeah. got decent resolution behind it, etc. So. I see compromises when I use a Pixel that I didn't used to see when I use a Pixel. So in the Pixel no, I, 3 launch, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's it's a challenge. Um, oh, man, it's so hard. <laughs> uh, speaking of of Huawei, um, I, let's go through our news items real quick. There's a few. I, I kind of want your hot takes on these real quick. Uh, Honor okay. 30 series. The Honor 30 yeah. is launched. There's three. There's a 30, a 30 Pro, and a 30 Pro Plus. And the 30 Pro and 30, particularly 30 Pro Plus, looks to me like a, a Huawei P40 non-Pro competitor. Typical Honor, they do this. They come out with the the P series, and then three months later or one month later, they come out with the Honor 30 Pro, which always seems to be like a a revisit of <laughs> the P series. I mean, this was hot that? out the gate. Like this really was. Like I don't remember a time it's been just this obvious. Yeah, so just to fill you in, audience, read, read the thing I linked to an Android Police story where they cover all the models. The takeaway is that the Honor 30 Pro Plus has the 50 megapixel RYYB sensor from the P40 Pro, the same main sensor. And everything else looks very damn similar too. Yeah. Uh, not to uh, the yeah. Pro, not the P40 Pro, but the P40. Yeah, it does. And then the Honor 30 Pro non-plus is basically a copy of the P30 Pro with the 40 megapixel RYYB sensor from last year. Yeah, now the P40 and like P40 Plus is, sorry, P40 Pro is still the superior phone when you look at the additional modules, camera modules. For sure, for sure. But having yeah. said that, like I think from the, the design language even just feels that bit more similar this time around. It feels less honor. And the front Obviously, display with that, that cut yeah. out the, the oval uh, hole punch and the waterfall sides, it's missing the waterfall top and bottom, but mm. we're very oh, close Which here. I love so much. Like it's So when nice. you were talking earlier about your daily driver, I've got Google Apps on my P P40 Pro and I'm running with that and so like wait, that. did you, did you, because I heard that not, we can't get notifications working still. Um, I have, yeah, I, I, I have a version of Google apps working. Um, and I've had that for the last 48 hours. There is some hacks, but unlike the, the previous, uh, like the Mate 30 and the P3. It uh, isn't seamless. And, I can't get my business Honor, account yeah, on there. There is a lot of issues with that pack. So I'm, yeah. I'm reluctant to go there right now. Yeah, so hold I need off, like I use so many Google apps that I really need like uh, their notification system to work. No, no. So I've set my like I think maybe I've set my notifications with Outlook for my email because ah, it's uh, Google smart. apps okay. and you can't put Google apps accounts on there anyway with right. the hack. So yes, but back to the Honor 30 Pro, I really want to get these in my hands to like actually see if they are as like obviously similar as they look in renders. Yeah, me too. It'll be really interesting. I'm gonna. I'm look. I kind of. A lot of people find it's a little gouty, but I like the big honor etched in the glass in the back. It's kind of cool. Like yeah. I get it. It's fun. I mean, They've got that really geometric typeface as well. It's. I. Yeah. I don't hate it for another kind of user. Like I wouldn't love it if it was my phone, but it definitely has a place. 
It has a place. I 100% agree. So I'll link to it. Check it out. Then we have uh, the Oppo Reno Ace 2, which is a Snapdragon 865 flagship from oh. Oppo, which is you... not a flagship like the Oppo Find X2 Pro, not quite as expensive. But it has the fastest wireless charging in the world, 40 watt, plus the fastest wired charging in the world at 65 watt. So, <sighs> Oppo, do, uh, you're strange. Do you not love that round camera surround? Oh, it's, it's nice. So pretty. Yeah. So I um the the Ace was uh, available in China only. It never launched uh, Europe wide. I'm or I may have launched in other parts of Asia. Um, and there was that awesome Gundam edition. I don't know if you saw it of the Ace. Yeah, as I well. did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like that had the I think that introduced the 65 watt wireless wired charging. Um, and then they introduced that phone uh, with no ports or buttons, uh, the concept phone that introduced the super fast wireless charging. And this kind of brings them together. Yep. Yep. Basically. It's interesting how the Oppo does this so incrementally. Um, look, I'm on board. A Snapdragon 865 phone with 5G for, you know, $600 or so, whatever it is with uh you know fast wireless charging and fast wire charging and some decent looking cameras yeah sure sign me up that's what i love about these chinese phones in general oh it has a 90 hertz display too yeah there you go but i don't think this is i, I don't know if ace has going to launch anywhere outside china so that's no. just worth well that's right mind. we don't know right now yes for sure well, anyway, speaking of LG, we talked about them earlier and I said that they're pretty much the replacement for Samsung if you can't afford Samsung in the US. I reviewed the LG V60 a while back. If you've been listening, audience, you, you know this. And uh, it has a lot of compromises there, but the price is pretty decent, although now OnePlus is eating their lunch, obviously. Um, they have decided not to do a G-Series this year. And we, we, we heard the rumors and talked about it last week or the week before. But this week, we found out that they're new... They're, replacement for the g-series is going to be called the velvet line um lg velvet and it's very design centric um it looks pretty right at least in the renders we saw yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and and snapdragon 765g 5g which is exactly what i think lg should be doing one of the lines in my lg v60 thank you 5g review yes i know it's a mouthful was that you know lg really needs to make a one plus priced competitor like a 600 700 65 600 mid-range-ish phone like premium flagshipy but maybe not with a 865 you know that has lg got legs in the us well they still do because of carriers so they okay. could you know it's not a huge amount like it's not people's first choice but it's often a fallback choice and then end up being pretty happy with it overall you know what i'm saying it's not that uh -huh. they're bad phones no they're it's not. just they're a little compromised you know and like the V series, it's just like when it launched, the V30 was just like, well, obviously you had ones earlier. Oh, in this US, was a different universe back then. Yeah. The original V30 was one of my favorite phones. So it was such stunning. an amazing phone. It launched phone. at yeah. IFA. Um, and so a friend's had that and he's been so happy. And he actually went to a Huawei after that and was like, I miss my LG, which is like, what? But he, yeah, LG in the UK, I think they've just lost a little bit too much footing to, um, yeah, the so I only don't... reason they survive here is because they're in bed with the carriers from years and years of really in-depth in bed with the carriers and they basically make bespoke phones carrier spec like yeah. they do not try to compete with Samsung directly anymore they used to but now they're literally saying okay Verizon what do you need okay, okay. we'll make that no problem and there's a place for that and if they do it well 
Good for them. And like I saw everything um, uh, like with the, was it the V60 that you reviewed? Uh, like yeah. the response to that's been really, really solid. The price is Yeah, because so good. $800 for a 5G phone that you can buy on any carrier. And it's yeah. not a bad deal. I mean, it's still cheaper than the, it's basically the same price as the decked out version of the OnePlus 8. Mm-hmm. So, but you get a much bigger screen and you get mm-hmm. wireless charging, which you don't get on the 8. And you get IP and... resistance, which you don't get on the 8. And you get a headphone jack, you don't get on the 8. So, you know, there are some things about it. But then, wah, 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 it falls apart because there's no telephoto. And you yeah. get a 60 hertz display at 1080p, 6.8 inches. Ouch. But then there's a the software experience as well. And then there's LG software experience, yeah. Um, speaking of flagships, Moto is finally officially said that they're launching a flagship on April 22nd, or maybe a couple of flagships. So stay tuned for that, right? That's basically all I was going to say. Speaking of as well, I have them in hand. Now I can talk about them. The embargo lifted, and I don't have time to talk about them, but I have the Moto G series. I have the G Power and the G Stylus. If you need questions answered about that on Twitter, please ping me. I have the phones. I will talk about them more extensively next week. Uh, the embargo is lifted as of today. They're finally available. You can buy them now in the U.S. It's a big deal in the U.S., the G-Series. It's basically the the closest you can get to a Pixel A-Series phone, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's so pure Android. That works on all carriers in the U.S. and is a really decent experience overall. You know what I'm saying? So, so do you not have Nokia in the U.S.? We do, but they're not remotely in the same league uh, as Moto G in that world. They compete, yeah. of course, but yeah. nobody remembers Nokia. Uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that's basically it in terms of the news. Oh, Red Magic 5G, really quickly. The, uh, this We, we kind of touched on it in the past in the show. There, there were rumors. Now it's official. It's um, a $650 phone US, which is a lot, about $150 more than the previous Red Magic 3 yeah. phone from Nubia. This is a yeah. gaming phone, folks. I reviewed the Red Magic 3 for Android Police really briefly. I reviewed it from the perspective of a non-gamer. I was like, if you want like the, the best Snapdragon you can get and the best speed you can get today, but you don't play games, would no. this be an okay daily driver? That was my my perspective, right? And so I'm getting a, a Red Magic 5G at some point soon, and I'll talk about it more. But the thing about this phone that's interesting is that it still is the cheapest Snapdragon 865 U.S. price phone on the market at $650 and has 5G. And of course, it makes some sacrifices. No wireless charging. It has a fan in it, so don't drop it in the toilet. It has, you know, uh, it's big and it has triggers. It's a gaming phone, okay? Yeah. But uh, maybe the camera is a little better. Last year, I had a Sony IMX586 and it had one of the worst implementations. It sucked so bad. It was so bad. I'm like... How can you screw up so bad with this sensor? It's such a good sensor, but apparently yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, like, that floored me because they actually, like, wangled so many beta elements within that software, like, by putting 8K video on. Like, I don't know if you That's remember. Right. They yeah. put 8K video oh in, like, God, the most chunky beta format, but it couldn't even take a good picture, but hey. It's so funny. Well, you know, Red Magic is a bit of weird acquired taste. At least they officially sell in the US. You can buy one with a warranty that works on our networks. This is exciting. You know, speaking of Chinese companies coming to the US, well, Nubia is doing a better job uh, (laughs) than than Oppo and Xiaomi. So there you go. So that's, that's it for the show. That's it for the news. That's it 
for everything. I know we've gone on and on and on because we're nerds. Um, but Basil, you want to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet? Where, because I know you write in a bunch of different places and I don't want to screw that up. Okay, um, so I write for titles like Wired and uh, Tech Radar and Stuff Magazine and in the UK, a newspaper called Metro. Um, I'm on Twitter, Basil underscore knows as in know something, not knows on my face. <laughs> That's right. Knows with a K. Yes. I also have uh, all the phones I review on Instagram on Let's Talk About Tech. So uh, if you hit me up there, then you can also ask any questions about phones that are maybe a bit more UK centric. You should follow Basil. Really good writing. A big photo person like me. If you like camera phones, he's another awesome person to follow. In general, another awesome person to follow. But camera phones are something that we are both, you and I, super excited about, right? Big time, big time. And Miriam and I go back like, crazy 10 years or something so yeah it's yeah. been forever you folks know where to find me on the internet i'm at tankerl that's t-n-k-g-r-l on twitter and on instagram uh you can find my ramblings there on twitter mostly twitter is a good vehicle for you to discuss a podcast if you have questions about the moto g series ask me on twitter and then instagram is a good place to see photos of phones that i'm reviewing photos taken with phones i'm reviewing you know tankerl like the comic book drop the vowels that's how it works. There's also a YouTube channel for this podcast called, of course, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. Lots of uh, videos there, unboxings primarily, but some hands-on videos, some review videos. If you want some visual content for this podcast and you want to watch stuff while you listen to the podcast, maybe check out the YouTube channel as well. Of course, I would recommend you subscribe to the channel and tell your friends and all that good stuff. Comment and click the notification bell. And then subscribe to the podcast as well. If you landed here by accident or maybe you follow Basil and you decide, hey, let's check this out, please subscribe. Uh, MobileTechPodcast.com is the URL. Uh, we're also on all the big platforms. So like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, which is a great app for Android, and Spotify, and, and in other places. And remember... If you get the opportunity in whatever platform you're using to rate the podcast or review the podcast, please do. It really helps us along. And speaking of helping along, please consider donating. There's a donate link in the show notes, and we could really use your help. We, meaning me and my guests, it takes a lot of work to do this every week, and I really want to be able to continue. So your help is really appreciated. And finally, I also want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible, because without them, we couldn't do this. They help as well. And you can help by going to Audible's link I'm going to give you in a minute and joining Audible. So here's how it works. Audible, if you don't know, is an incredibly awesome audiobook platform. If you're a bookworm, you like books, for whatever reason you cannot read them on paper, on a Kindle or something, on a display, because maybe you're driving like your delivery driver or something, you can listen to books instead. And Audible is your best bet for that. They're a really great platform. They have a ton of selection, great books, all the major books, everything you want. And more importantly, a lot of them are read by the author, which is really great because you kind of get that really immersive experience of listening to the person who wrote the book. And so I would recommend if you are not already an Audible subscriber to help the podcast out because what you can do is click on a link and support the podcast. And the best thing is you get 30-day free trial you get to keep one of the books you download at the end and you help the podcast, whether you stay or not. So consider it. The URL is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Please consider joining Audible and helping us out, helping out the show. We can use your help. So please do. 
And thank you, Audible, for being a sponsor for ever now. And Basil, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Maria. We'll have you on again at some point. So please tune in and come back next week. We'll have another guest. And until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.